My name is Heidi and I love stories. Funny stories, sad stories, and what on earth just happened stories? As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. And after two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. Last we saw him, Jacob had just gotten permission from Laban to leave, and they had set up an altar between them, a covenant that their contract was over, which is a really interesting covenant to make, like, we're done. Anyway, Jacob was heading back to his homeland in Canaan, but he had a small, not insignificant problem. Esau. See, the last time Jacob actually saw Esau, he was on the run from him because he had just stolen his blessing. You remember that whole incident. Knowing that he would have to deal with his brother Esau, Jacob sent messages ahead of himself to let Esau know that he was coming and to let him know that he wanted to see him. The messages got to Esau and Jacob heard back that Esau was coming to see him and that he was bringing 400 men with him. This did not look good for Jacob because while he has donkeys and sheep and cattle and children, he also has children and wives and no small standing army with him, whereas Esau does. Jacob made a multi-step plan to try to avoid getting killed by Esau. First off, he sent hundreds of sheep and goats and such to Esau as a present ahead of himself so that he could say like, oh look, here's a present for you, I'm so sorry, in hopes that Esau would forgive him. Secondly, he divided everything that he had into two groups and made two separate camps so that if Esau did attack one of the camps, the other one had a higher chance of surviving. Then he took his two wives, his 11 children, and his own personal kind of belongings and sent them across the river safe away from himself. Keep in mind that Esau's beef is with Jacob, and so Jacob is thinking to himself that the further distance he can get between him and the things that he cares about, the more likely it is that uh, even if he dies, those that he loves will survive. So he is left alone overnight on one side of the river with his family and everything else that he has on the other side. Naturally, because Esau was coming, he had prayed to God, and that night someone shows up and starts wrestling with Jacob. All night long, they wrestle beside the river in the pitch black, and Jacob just will not give up. Heel grabbing Jacob is living up to his name and refusing to let go of this man who's wrestling him. Finally, the light is beginning to come, and seeing that he can't actually beat Jacob in this wrestling match, the man touches his hip, putting the hip out of socket, and now Jacob will bear a permanent limp for the rest of his life. Even with that, Jacob refuses to let go. Jacob says that the only way he will let this wrestling match end is if the man blesses him. Because Jacob has figured out that this is no mere man that he is fighting. The man then asks him what his name is. When Jacob answers that, "Eh, my name's Jacob, the man responds that his name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. Because he has wrestled against God and man and has won. Over and over, Jacob, the heel grabber, has wrestled against his own destiny and in doing so, wrestled into his own destiny to become the promise bearer that had been given to Abraham and Isaac, and now to Jacob, who is now called Israel. When Jacob asks the man for his name, he outright refuses, asking him why he's even asking. Like, as in, why are you asking me my name? And Jacob realizes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he has wrestled God and seen God face to face and hasn't died. Which, even though God had never said explicitly that seeing him face to face was probably a deadly proposition, it was assumed. And yet, the day before Jacob sees his brother, who, you know, he had scammed out of his inheritance, God tells him that he had wrestled with man and himself and prevailed. More importantly, Jacob has now seen God's face. Not even Abraham got to do that. Jacob looks up and having gotten exactly zero hours of sleep because he had been wrestling God, uh, one, God has disappeared and two, Esau has appeared. So Jacob divides up his family from least favorite to most favorite. He sends the two servant wives forward first with their children, then Leah with her children, and then finally Rachel with Joseph. He himself actually goes on ahead and bows seven times before Esau, his brother. Very repentant, very sorry, also very rich. (laughs) 
Esau, however, is not holding a grudge anymore. He runs and embraces Jacob, picks him up, spins him around, the whole nine yards. You can imagine the scene. And he's just thrilled to see that Jacob has children and wives and is doing so well for himself. Esau is so forgiving in this moment, it's almost as if he didn't really care about the birthright and the blessing. Jacob tries to insist that Esau takes all of the gifts that Jacob had sent him, but Esau refuses. He's so happy to see Jacob again and asks Jacob if they can go with him, you know, journey together. Jacob says no, that he's heading one direction and ends up going the other because, you know, Jacob's still Jacob. In fact, God is going to have to reiterate the name change and that Jacob is now Israel later. But for now, Esau and Jacob are thrilled to have reunited and their feud is over. Not only has Jacob been freed from his problem with Laban, now Jacob is free to live in Canaan because he and Esau are on speaking terms again. Like I said, God is going to reiterate that Jacob's name has changed to Israel and Bethel. Basically what happens is that God sends Jacob to go to Bethel, tells him to renew his vow with the whole family included this time, and to get rid of all the household gods they have, including the ones that Rachel stole from Laban. Basically, God asks for uh, monogamy and worship. So it works out nicely for Jacob. Again, now Israel, he's bearing the promise, the birthright, the blessing, and monogamy with God. I use the word monogamy because later God's going to use a marriage analogy a whole lot to talk about his relationship to Israel, the nation. And in some ways, the worship of a God is very similar to marriage, at least the God of Abraham, Isaac, and wait for it, Israel. Next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what Leah's sons get up to in their adulthood, and then we're going to talk about Jacob's favorite son, Joseph. Stay tuned.